thank you, Lord. You are holy. Your name is holy. What a privilege it is to be a son or a daughter of the Most High God. Oh, Lord, we do not take it lightly. We acknowledge your presence and person here in this place today. Father, I pray in the next few moments you will speak through me. More importantly, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear. Open our ears to hear what you are wanting to say and do today. On this Palm Sunday, a day that reminds us of the build-up and the time leading to the greatest sacrifice known to humanity. And we thank you. We thank you. For you are holy. Thank you that you are holy, that we can trust you. We put our faith in you. We can give you our lives because you are good. We thank you in this time. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. Well, good to see you all and good to see new faces again today. And uh, how good is it to be in the house of Lord together? I want to speak on a message that I probably haven't in, a, in, a, in its entirety sort of preached from, but I, I just felt like God was speaking me, to me today, to, for us, in fact, of this season. There's certainly a sense that God is moving by his spirit. We're hearing that of revivals and pockets of revivals. We're hearing that. Not only that, he's probably moving right now in, on you and on your family and on the people that you know, maybe in conversation, you can sense that. Can I encourage you that, that just be open to what God is saying? Be open to the moving of his presence, of his person, of his Holy Spirit. That is, that is what we all should long for, we all should want and hunger for. So can I encourage you to do that? This move, it, you can give it a name, and, and I just sense in this, this today is called a divine shift. A divine shift. We're going to look at a particular passage of Scripture in the next few moments that, that will just begin to just see what Jesus was doing. And he was doing something very uh, different and in some ways maybe odd or even strange to the disciples and the many followers that were following him. And so I hope in the time, this would probably be an hour sermon. <laughs> Got your attention there. You should have seen everybody. They're like... <sighs> and uh, it's just going to... It's going to be half that, I, around about half that, I, 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 I assure you. Oh dear. I want to look at the word shift. The shift means a change or transfer from one place, position, direction, person to another. We know that God does not sleep nor slumber and that he's a living God. And that's what he does. He wants to live in us and amongst us. And there's been a shaking the last few years there's been a shaking and we've heard that from church to church, from person to person, families, marriages, etc. There's been a shaking, but the shaking is not for nothing. The shaking is, in, is part of God's plan. I believe it is part to lead into this place of divine shift. And so I want to just unravel that little bit with you this morning. Last week I shared, Paul said, he, I, but I have one thing. One purpose, I press on. And I get a sense even today we're going to see this come out even in the ministry and teaching of Jesus. 
This shift will uh, allow us to enter into a new phase, a new purpose, maybe a new perspective on things. This shift will create an opportunity for God to do something that maybe God has been, in a sense, limited to do. I believe this shift will, in a sense, prepare us to expect the unexpected. It is a shift, nonetheless, that God himself has to orchestrate and fulfill. It's not driven by flesh or man, but by the spirit of the living God. It's where this God will take a generation that is going to enter in a new season as he moves upon his people with intensity. And then from one level to another, from one level of effectiveness to another, God is shifting things. And he wants to shift you. He wants to shift me. He wants to move into a new dimension for us of spiritual reality. However, let's be honest, we're not easy to move and we're not easy to change. And that's the challenge. But God, as we heard before, is patient. And he will do his work and he will do this divine shift according to his perfect plan. I want you to know something wherever you are, whatever you're contemplating right now, that you're in the bullseye of God's will. It is perfect, okay? It may not feel perfect, but it is perfect to him, and he's going to do something amazing through this and through you. He's positioned you right now even to be outside of your comfort zone. He's positioned you to get outside of the, the channel of, of mindset and thinking that you've held to. He's going to create a divine shift. I believe that when God is leading us, it always will be in places that are not easy, not seen, not foreseen, not always knowable. And there'll be times when you and I will be praying, Lord, what are you doing here? What are you doing with me? What are you leading me into? I don't understand. What are you trying to show me? And so we launch from that sense of, cry and prayer to Mark chapter 4. There's just one verse. I want to read this to you. Uh, in, it's verse 35 of Mark 4. And it says, It was evening of the same day, Jesus said to his disciples and his followers, Let us go over to the other side. Let us go over to the other side. This was a quantum leap. This was a massive paradigm shift. The Jews, the Jewish followers, the disciples are following Jesus and they're with their people and they like that and it's good and it's happy and God bless us. But Jesus is now saying we're going to go over to the other side. Now we don't read about the dialogue between Jesus and the disciples but there's not one disciple who wanted to go over to the other side. And I'll explain why that was. They didn't want to go over, but they reluctantly went. <laughs> and we get to see what happens. And it's really important that we understand that in the context of what we are going to read. Jesus speaks these words and something begins to shift. He's upping the ante. He is saying, you know what? You think it's just about you? You think it's just about what you know and what you're familiar with? I want to take you out of that. I want to make you uncomfortable and I'm going to show you how to do it. So Jesus is at a full-on ministry 
It's been so busy that he's already tired. The people were following him. He was so crowded by the people that they had to put him in the boat for fear of crushing him. You couldn't see land. There was that many people wanting to follow Jesus. They're all there. So they put Jesus in the boat. He, he preaches. And then he says, we're going over. They go in the boat. They go over. You know the story. Jesus is wiped. He's spent. There's nothing left. He's laying down. And then there's this big tempest and storm happens. And all of a sudden, the disciples are like, ah! Shaking before the shifting. We all have those moments like, we know you're in the boat with us, Lord. We know that, but we don't know that. Because everything outside the boat is really scary right now. And we're terrified. Well, Jesus is woken. He's like, you know the story. He's like, oh, come on. Really? I couldn't even have five minutes sleep. Come on. Where's your faith? And winds be still. Now they've got their full eyes and attention on Jesus. They're like, oh, okay. You think they would have known this, but see, they're learning like we're learning. They're just doing the journey, like I said last week, like Paul said, I, I'm pressing on, there's the journey, and we're doing that journey, and here we are. And, and so anyway, I think it would have been a very quiet sail over to the other side. Just looking down, going, wow, even the winds and the sea can obey this Jesus. Oh my goodness, do we actually know who's in the boat? Do we actually know who we're actually following? Do we actually know who this is? My goodness, we've never seen this like this. We've maybe heard of stories and our fathers told and, the, and Moses and the sea was parted, but you, the Sea of Galilee, we're, we're like, wow, an amazing time. But God was setting up a shift. As I sailed into the storm, friends, God said, I'm going to show you what this is for. See, the only person who wanted to go over there was Jesus. And so that's what happens, and that's what we begin to unfathom. See, the other side, friends, is a divine shift of thinking. It's a real challenge for all of us. The other side in this region of Decapolis is a place where it's known of ten cities that reigned in a very large, unidentified area of enemy territory. The inhabitants were pagan. It's, about like, it's a bit like Jonah when you go to Nineveh. Okay, it wasn't, wasn't friendly. It is thought that the other side in rabbinic tradition is that the seven nations settled in Canaan, as referred to in Jesus' day. It was known as a, for a place of violence, of sexual expression and greed. Everything that Israel was not or not meant to be. And Jesus says, go to the other side. I think if we had the guts, we'd say, Jesus, I think you've got this wrong. Thinking, then we don't want to minister to them. They're, they're not like us. They, they don't deserve that. This is for us. This is us. And Jesus has taken them right into this design, divine shift. Let's go to the other side. If you don't get that context of how much hostility there was between going to the other side, you miss what we're going to read next. It won't make any sense to you whatsoever. That is the context. They had a fascination with pigs. Everything that Israel didn't or want. Worshipped them, they sacrificed them. It was good business. It was who they were. 
In fact, many Jews regard the other side as a place, get this, where Satan lived. We don't go down to that street. We don't go to that neighbourhood. We don't talk to that person. We don't talk to them because you just, you know, I don't like the emblems they've got in the front of the house or in their window. Oh. It was dark, oppressive and demonic. There was no place for a rabbi, let alone a Messiah, to visit. It's thought there were no Jews there, or publicly anyway. It was Gentile territory. And Jesus is now creating a divine shift. It's amazing, this story. Everything we've been singing this morning, I love it. It just dovetails right into this. And what's going to happen a little bit later. So the purpose of this narrative is to create in us a readiness for a divine shift of God. For revealing who Christ is. It is a demonstration that God is amongst us to increase our understanding of God's heart right now for us, but for also others. So let's have a look at this. Mark, we're going to do this. This are 20 verses. I'm going to go through this fairly quickly. As I said, it will take an hour to get through this normally, but I'm going to be gracious to you and uh, get through this a little bit quicker than that. Are you ready? Mark chapter 5. Jesus and his followers came where? Where did they land? On the other side to see the, the country of the Gerasenes. He got out of the boat, verse 2. I love this. This is what ministry is about. Ministry is about getting out of the boat. We should, we should call ministries the ministry of the boat or get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. Get out of this thinking what you're familiar with and what you're comfortable with. Oh, why don't I talk to people? Maybe you've got to start talking to people. Maybe you've got to start talking to people. Oh, why don't I tell people about Jesus? I'm a silent witness. Whatever that means. Ministry outside the boat. Jesus has called all of us to, to live and express and do ministry outside of the boat. Not just within the four walls or not just what we are familiar with. See, where you are right now and where God has placed you in your family and the people around you in your neighbourhood, this is the place of ministry for you. This is the place. This is the shift that has to happen. And who knows if the shift could be the cause of a new ministry or breakthrough. So once we read this man comes running from amongst the graves, he had a demon. I'm going to read it pretty quickly. Pardon me for those who are not going to keep up because I can read pretty fast, fairly fast, quickly. <laughs> he, he lived amongst the graves. No one could tie him down, even the chains. Many times he'd been tied down with chains on his feet. He'd been, uh, had broken them, the chains as well as the irons from his legs and his hands. No one was strong enough to keep him tied up. So Jesus had this full-on ministry People everywhere. Jesus goes to the other side. But do you know something? There's no crowd. There's one, maybe two people come out to greet him. It wasn't a friendly greeting, really. It was a confrontational greeting. And, and lo and behold, it's not even a man who's normal or wow or whole. No man could tie him down. The town tried to tie him up. Look at this. Jesus is not greeted by the crowds, but by a single individual who had some real issues going on. He had an impure spirit or an evil spirit, a demon. He was possessed. Jesus greeted him by, he was greeted by a deranged, deeply tormented, <coughs> excuse me, 
tomb-dwelling, self-mutilating de demonic. So disruptive that he lived outside the community. He wasn't welcome. This is a taste of living hell. There was no rest. There was no relief. As one commentary said, he, this man was assaulted by hell itself. If you want to think what hell may be or feel like, here it is. A glimpse of it just, just there. Verse 5, night and day he was amongst the graves and in the mountains and he would cry out and cut himself with stone. Sharpen the stone and just cut himself. So this guy was, in, was trying to kill himself. But he wasn't able to, he wasn't allowed to. Because the demons stopped him because they wanted to continue this torment. It couldn't just finish. And I'm not advocating suicide right now, hear me. I'm not. But you can read this. This man was at the rock bottom, lower than you could believe. Everything was taken away from him. And Jesus wants to go over and minister to just this one guy. There are plenty of people with many needs, but just this one guy? Friends, spiritual principalities will always, of, of the enemy will always seek to isolate you. As I said, they tried to tie him up with chains and they broke. He just smashed them, just pulled them apart. A bit like Hercules. He lived amongst the dead. He lived in the grave sites. Amongst the graves. Can you imagine it? That if you lived in an area, you wouldn't even go to your gravesite to see a loved one. You couldn't do it. It's too risky. You know, where this guy's going to pop up next and it's just not, not good, not safe. This is where he lived. You couldn't go see your loved ones. You couldn't see them. Just think about what's going on with this guy in the community. They're so lost. They're so broken. This is a story about Easter. This is a story about redemption. This is a story about forgiveness. This is a story about love. This is a story about God being involved in humanity. God wanting to set us free. Friends, there's a shift that is coming. And we'd be like that man if it wasn't for his grace. Who knows that's true? See, the chains that have held you back, maybe, are going to be unfastened, friends. The chains of depression, the chains of lack and struggle, the chains of addictions, the chains of holding us back, the chains of lack of progress or unfruitfulness will be broken. The chains of spirit, of unbelief and control and fear will be loosed, I believe it. And when the man saw Jesus, verse 6, along the way, he ran and worshipped him. This is amazing. You think that everything that the demons could do to hold this man back, not go near Jesus, but somehow this man had the will to fight in this oppressive state and make his way to Jesus. That's a statement of grace just there. Because all well, these demons would have done everything not to him for him to go near Jesus, and you get to hear that when you read this dialogue. In Luke 8, it says that when he saw Jesus, he screamed. Louder than that, I went to, we went to footy yesterday, don't want to talk about it, but anyway, very depressing. And uh, um, there's a lady there before me, and I do get a, bit, I get a bit loud, and so she knows when it's about to happen, and the fingers go in the ear, and I just, anyway, this scream was loud. This scream was loud. In fact, I've had people move away from me, want to fight me. Oh, anyway, don't worry about it, this is a long time ago. It's all good, thank you, Jesus. Here we go. Number seven, verse seven. 
the man spoke with a loud voice. What do you want me with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I ask you in the name of God, do not hurt me. What a, this is amazing. Did you see that such validation that no one even wanted to greet Jesus? No one was even thinking about Jesus, but this demonic man comes up and then the demons are the ones up to this point in Mark, the only ones who affirm Jesus are the demons. That he is the son of the most high God. Think about that for a minute. Hey, if someone, if your friend comes up and says, this is my mate, this is Johnny, I love Johnny, he's the best, he's great, he's the best at this, this. Yeah, you, you, you believe it. But you've got someone who hates Johnny's guts, doesn't like Johnny, I don't like Johnny. Gee, he's really good. You know, like, you listen to that guy. He's speaking about his enemy. The enemy is speaking about Jesus. I love it. The man spoke in a loud voice. You couldn't find a greater validation of who Christ is. In Luke 10, it says, I have given you power over all the power of the one who works against you. Nothing will hurt you. This is in Jesus' name. So notice with me, the demon is speaking and he is declaring who Jesus is. That he is bearing witness that this is the same essence of Almighty God. This is God himself in human form. This is what the demon is confessing. Wow. You have to be going, whoa, whoa, gee. Notice what the demons say. What do you want with me? Or what do you want? But Jesus wouldn't have a bar of it. Jesus is going to challenge this demon on demons. He's going to free this man. But the demons are saying, go away, Jesus. Nothing to see here. It's all good. Go back to the other side. Go do what you need to do. Here are two displays of power here. One, we see the devastating, disruptive power of demons. And two, we see the unequaled and unquestionable power of Christ, the Son of the living God. This is amazing. What a statement. I hope you know how powerful Jesus is. Not only is he holy, but he is all-powerful. He is almighty. By his word, things are created. So here is divine presence in Jesus. God himself. Challenging in reality this demonic. What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Jesus is saying, I've come to set this man free. I've come to loosen him. I've come to set him free. He's not going to be trapped anymore. He's not going to be bound. He's not going to try and self-harm anymore. I'm going to set him free. This guy cried out. Remember, day and night he cried out, not just on weekends. Not just on one or two bad moments of the time of life. Every day, night and day, no sleep, no relief, crying out day and night. Have you been there? Have you seen someone do that? It's torturous. It's cruel. In verse 8, at the same time, Jesus in this conversation says, Come out of the man, you demon. And Jesus does something only here we read. And it's not encouraged. Some people do this. I don't encourage it personally. That's my personal belief. But Jesus wanted to talk to the demon. I want to talk to Jesus. I want to talk to demons. Anyway, the demon, Jesus asked the demon, what is your name? He said, my name is many or legion, for we are many. 
So this guy wasn't bound by just one or two demons, but there are multiple demons. There was a lot of demons. And he's making reference because this was a territorial demon that was hovering in this place. This place was dark, as I said. It was heavy. It was demonic. It was very ungodly. It was very pagan. So it's all these things that you'd least expect Jesus to be. But he turns up anyway. He said, we're going over to the other side. Jesus chooses to go over to the other side when he is spent, when he's tired. There's nothing left in the tank. He needs to rest. But God would have it in that place of shaking that there's a divine shift that God would want to do, even in the ministry of Jesus. We know the disciples didn't want to go there. They weren't thinking of restoration for, for others. It was only for God's people. Decapolis was the centre of Roman power. It housed a legion of 6,000 soldiers. It was very a brutal and aggressive place, amongst other things. And so we're reading into this, this place. We've got to get this. And here Jesus wants to just unravel it all. It's a picture sometimes of where we live and how we live and who we live with. Indifferent but broken. People will not always fit our picture or our understanding of who should be reached or who we choose to reach. But Jesus chooses to break all the moulds. It's almost like too bad, too sad, Jesus says. I say, let Jesus be Jesus. Friends, even if in a divine shift, makes you uncomfortable. Do it anyway. God's not asking for your permission. Verse 10, the disciples, sorry, the disciples, the demons asked Jesus not to send them out to the country. So this is this demonic territory where the demons needed a host. And if it wasn't this man, it had to be something. But they didn't want to leave because they, this is really powerful here. We haven't got time. This is end time stuff. But it talks about how they didn't want to enter into their prejudgment. They'd rather just stay in the area and control the area, control the people, control what's going on. Even, even going to animals would be better than having to leave the area and be evicted. There's a lot in there, but that's for time. We jump down to a few verses. So they said, well, there's some pig over there. Send us into the pig because we don't want to leave. And so Jesus let them do what they wanted. One translation says he gave them permission. But just remember that. He gave them permission. Okay? Don't, what are you giving permission to in your life? What are you watching? What are you hearing? What are you seeing? What are you doing? What are you giving permission to in your life? I don't, I, you want to ask that question, and I hope it's Jesus more than anything else. Give Jesus permission into your life, to speak into your life, into any area of your life. Be open and say, God, is there any way in me that is offensive to you? Is there any way that is not clean, not pure, not going after you? Then lead me in that way, whoever you are. Ask that prayer. Be bold enough, be courageous. Give Jesus permission to work in you and to minister into you and do what he wants to do in you. So anyway, the pigs run down the hill, they side the mountain, they all die. There's about 2,000 of them. And then all the men who cared for the... So all the farmers, all the pig farmers are all upset because this is their livelihood. This is how we live. This is how we make a living. They're upset. They're like, oh, no, Jesus, you're bad news. This is terrible. Imagine waking up and doing everything normal and all of a sudden your pigs get possessed and go down to, the, to drown themselves. You've got cows, cattle, something just goes bizarre. It's just like, what? He's like, going back to the wife, like, um, how'd you go today, honey? Yeah, not so good. There's this dude that come over and he's ruined everything. 
You know, when you just start to, you just get to go home and tell your wife. Anyway, I would probably, anyway. Okay, you're very listening. You're listening. Jesus gave him permission. He didn't care for the pigs. He didn't care for the demons. He cared for only one person. That person who was made in his image, in the image of God. He cared only for him. And this man needed to be freed. This man needed to be released. This man needed the power of God upon him. We know that the pig farmers went and told everybody, but not in great news, not with all oh, glory to God. Oh, the most high God is here. It was none of that. It was like, we're ruined. This guy has ruined us. Come and see. We're not joking. We didn't do anything wrong. Have a look what he's done. Verse 15 says that they came to Jesus. They saw the man who had the demons. He was sitting with clothes on. The reason being because he was naked. This man was naked. And now he's got clothes on and he's sitting up in his right mind. And now they're afraid. Now they're afraid. It's like a different fear. It's like we, we got comfortable with this guy down. We get so comfortable with things in our life. We get so comfortable with the demons. We get so comfortable with, with how society is or what, what's happening. And we just, get, we just accept it. And it changes. It's like, I do that. We drove to Lonnie yesterday. How many? Roadworks? Four? Five? Everyone? I was, my, my stress levels were increasing. I'm just telling you that. It's like, another one? I don't just do one section at a time, but five, six sections all at once. Anyway, sorry. So I'm like this guy. So sorry, that's a Louis rant there. Just forget that. That wasn't part of the message. And if it was, it was a freebie. You can interpret that how you want. So they come and see this man. He's completely transformed from a previous state of possession. We can choose easily the familiar or what is the easy way out rather than the hard way. They were more afraid now of this man who made him well and who is now well. They can see him. He's, he's got now normal life. We don't know. Maybe he's, never, he's been estranged with his family. We don't know. There was no relationships. This guy was on his own. It was terrible. It was bondage. It was horrible. It was hideous. And here he is now. He's now in wearing clothes. Now he's got dignity. There's a lot about nakedness. I won't talk in the Old Testament. teaches about that. And here he is now, he's got his dignity back. He's got his, his, the image of Christ back. And he's, he's feeling like he's one of them. Now, who knows, he could make some friends. Maybe now he'll get invited to the parties and the gatherings. Now, maybe in some space, he, things will turn around for him and he'll be welcomed. But he's never been welcomed before, except by one man, his whole entire life. That was Jesus. People need to see Jesus in us. They need to experience Jesus in us. Otherwise, we've got nothing to offer. This is a challenging message, I know. But this is what Easter is all about. It's not that fluff and just about the chocolate. It's real. It's life-changing. It's transformative. It's about a divine shift that starts to occur and it ripples and it keeps occurring. Now he's healed, now he's delivered, now he's transformed, now he can maybe find a wife, now he can maybe have a family that he's always longed for, but never able to do. This is all turned around. So he says as Jesus hops back in the boat to go home, 
He says, please, I want to go with you. Please, I, I've got nothing. I've got no one. No, I've got nothing. I just, all I've got now is you. All I have is you, Jesus. And this must have been so hard for Jesus. When I read this, I feel, man, the weight and the heaviness of Jesus' heart. He says, no, you have to stay with your people. Interesting statement, interesting wording. You need to stay with your people. Jesus is saying the best person now to do ministry here is you. It's not me. It's not my disciples. They'll mess it up real bad. It's you. You. Who know? Number one. You're the one. He says, go home to your people. Jesus again is now giving him permission. He's releasing him. Tell them the great things the Lord has done for you. Tell them how he had pity on you. Tell them. So this man went his way and he told them in all the land of Decapolis what great things Jesus has done for him. And all the people were surprised and wondered. And that's it. So we think that's it. That's it. See, if being Christian means anything, if it holds anything sacred and truth, it is the release of God's potential on you. The resurrection life of Jesus is meant to invade you and consume you. It's not just an add-on extra. God has not set the design it that way. Friends, don't complain about the shift. If God is shifting you, it is for a purpose. If God is using he wants to thrust you into something that you couldn't go in before. It will even maybe look like a suddenly. If we look at Mark chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, wherever they are, not on, I don't think I've got it on the screen. Mark 6, 54. Jesus goes back a little bit later. Jesus goes back to see what's happening. He left that guy there. See you later. He didn't say he's going to come back. And Jesus comes back. Look what happens. When Jesus gets out of the boat, remember the first time Jesus is there, one man comes to visit him, maybe two. Okay. Look at this. When Jesus got out of the boat, the people knew him at once. They ran through all the country, it's a big province, and bringing people who were sick in their beds to Jesus. Wherever he, wherever, uh, he went, they would lay down the sick on the streets in the centre of town, wherever people would gather. And they begged him that they might even touch his coat. When Jesus goes back to Galilee, what's the next miracle? The next second miracle is this woman with the issue of blood touching the hem of his garment. Where did she get that from? She, everyone's talking about what happened on the other side. It's all big news. It's in every paper. It's, it's all, the place is turned upside down. Every sick person who, who went and even touched the hem was healed. But only those who touched it. Scripture is very clear. Look at this. Couldn't get a more New Testament scripture Reading ever, everyone who touched his hem, who did this, was healed. This happened in the towns and in the cities and in the country where he went. Oh, my glorious Lord. That's a lot there. One hour down to whatever it is. I'm going to close. I'm going to close. If this is not what Easter is about, if this is, what it doesn't, if this is not what it means to be a Christian, then I don't know what does. I don't know what will do it. This is it. This is where Jesus and you carry this presence. You carry his power. When you speak to people, you can speak his words of life and healing and deliverance over them. And some of you don't even know how to do that yet, but God is going to show you how to do that. 
because you've got something that's going to unlock that bondage and that brokenness. Jesus has called you as a church, as a people, as a person, as a person, as a son and as a daughter. He's called you to do this. It is no option for you to reject this shift. You will only make it harder on yourselves. If you're unwilling to shift, you don't know what you may stifle. See, without a God kind of shift, we will never get out of our comfort zone. And that's the promise of it. So we can just be happy with the pigs. We can just be happy with just doing what we're doing. Or we, can be, we want to see people's lives train, changed and transformed. Friends, you don't have to go back to the old days. You don't have to go back and say, I wish I was there. I can tell you this. There are some new days coming, friends. The best days of your life are in front of you. You may not think that's true, but it is true. Jesus is for you. Whatever you've gone through, those great disappointments, you need to declare that, Father, thank you. There is great joy coming in my life. There is great opportunity. The Scriptures declare that God will fill your mouth with laughter. You're going to laugh again, friend. You're going to love again. You're going to dream again. Great joy is going to be heading your way. I sense right now that there is a shift of the kingdom of God happening upon his sons and daughters, his brothers and sisters. There is a shift that is occurring. It is a spiritual shift. It is a divine shift. It is an uncharted shift. It is a new thing that God is doing of his timing. And this shift will translate us to crossing over when we haven't crossed over before. When we want to stay in the common and familiar, it is a shift that will relate and help us to understand our authority as believers. It is a shift that will give us new sense of courage of, and recognition of confidence. It is a shift that will not want us, want, want us to stay on the side, but go over to the other side. It will be a shift from what is familiar to freedom. It will be a shift saying that we're not going to stay within the four walls, but a shift of new strategies that God will give us for your loved ones and your friends that God will begin to give you. I believe it. These are shifts that will identify blockages and sacred cows that, will, that have been holding us back and have been keeping us limited. And God is going to speak the word and bring a divine shift over us. I'll be claiming that. I'm claiming it for my family. I pray you can claim it for yours. A shift will not always be for what your purpose is, but for his purpose and his kingdom. This is what I close. This is it. What is your shift potentially working in you right now. Can you identify a God divine shift in your life? I'd ask you to think about that. Can you agree with it? Yes or no? Talk to God about it. But there is a divine shift. And I love how Jesus went back and that whole place was turned upside down. The Greeks were being touched with the message and the presence and the power of Jesus. I close. Father, as we get ready for this song, I pray, Lord, that you would just begin to speak to us. There's a lot there, but Lord, I pray. I pray, dear Jesus, that we need to see those who are bound loose, those who are pressed free, those who are inhibited, Lord, those who are being held back. Oh, God, I pray that you would release a new sense of your presence that there would be a divine shift, Father, that not of our doing, but of your doing. 
not in our timing, but in your perfect timing. I pray, Lord, all for this, all for these moments right now, all for, for the oxygen that we have right now in our lungs is but for this moment, this reason. So help us, Lord, not to waste it, but to do something that's very intentional, to be willing to humble ourselves and seek your face and see what you will do and say and show us next. In Jesus' name.